0: CBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin.
1: And I'm Michael Thomas. On today's episode, we're talking about cash flow. Cash flow is the basis for all of personal finance. You need to have more flowing in as income than you have flowing out as expenses. If you have more inflow than outflow, you're hashtag winning. And this is what we call a surplus. Otherwise, you'd have a deficit. But what if I want to buy a house now? Uh, I wouldn't advise doing that until you have a healthy cash flow surplus. Okay, I hear that.
0: I'll just dump all, right. all my money into my credit card debt. I can barely afford gas without my credit card.
1: Then I would not advise that as being an effective strategy either.
0: Hmm. Sounds like I might need to spend more money on lottery tickets. Dude, then.
1: you're you're not even trying right now.
0: I should buy some communications courses.
1: Moving along. According to a 2018 study by Career Builder, 78% of employed Americans say they are living paycheck to paycheck. The land of plenty, America, is experiencing a cash flow crisis. There's no A. I put America on it. I like America better.
0: America. No, I like America. All right. Why is cash flow so hard to manage? And before you say, I don't make enough money, a 2015 Nielsen study. Look specifically at people earning over $150,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And even in that group, one in four were living paycheck to paycheck.
1: Matt and I spend a lot of time thinking about the psychology of money. And we think psychology can help us understand at least part of this cash flow crisis. Why is that, Michael? So many people believe that the career field that I'm in is going to afford me the opportunity to make all this money. And in your mind, you've already been spending this money along the
0: way. I got a friend of mine, when he graduated from college, before he got his first paycheck, he went out and bought an Italian leather sofa. This is a nice. <laughs> it's a nice sofa. It was also a six thousand dollar sofa. Absolutely. And he was making. This is like fifteen years ago. He was making like thirty something thousand dollars a year. But what what was his expectation for what he was gonna make? I think his his problem was not exactly what you were saying. Of I thought I'd make more. His problem was he thought you take thirty thousand and you divide it by twelve, wow. and that's how much money you're taking in taxes, deductions, insurance, there's all these other things. So you're not actually getting the full paycheck. You're only getting about 70%, 75%. So he's telling himself, I'm going to be able to pay off this $6,000 in one year. No, because he's only getting a fraction of what he thinks he's going to get. Absolutely. Other bills come up. He goes out to eat more. Yep. So he doesn't pay off the couch in the first year. Mm mm because is you you overestimate how much is going to come in, you underestimate how much. And it was
1: interesting. He probably went into one of those um, agreements where if you pay it off within a year, zero percent financing. But because he didn't pay it off within a year, all of the interest comes back on that bad boy. And now, sure, he's
2: right. <laughs> right?
1: I think in his case, it's actually worse, if you can believe it, because I think.
0: He didn't do financing through the furniture store, he did it on a credit card. So So he's paying twenty three percent interest the whole time. Wow. So doesn't pay it off of the first year, doesn't pay it off of the second year. He's still making these minimum payments in credit card. Took him twelve years to pay it off because he never could get the cash flow to work. He could never make enough money to cover that expense. Wow. We did the math. That sofa cost him thirteen thousand
1: dollars. That's crazy. By the time he finally paid it off. That's crazy. But Hashtag winning. I know, right? That is, that is definitely winning, because I bet you he's going to keep that piece of furniture for the rest of his life. I mean, it's sweet He's it's actually going to pass couch. it down generationally. He might. This is uh. a sweet couch. <laughs> so if you're thinking about where you could possibly go to get a good estimate of what you may actually be earning – for a particular career field, Matt and I definitely suggest going to payscale.com. And then from there, what you can do is you can say, okay, well, generally, I'm going to be around maybe $40,000. What would my paycheck look like after tax and other deductions? Go to paycheckcity.com. But the interesting thing beyond that, too, is that the United Way Alice Project recently found that 50.8 million Americans can't afford a basic monthly budget for childcare, housing, food, and transportation. Getting a grasp of what your inflows are going to be and then planning accordingly is actually even more important now than it ever has been before. So an issue for the
0: 51 million households that Michael was talking about at the core is there's not enough income coming in. Mm-hmm. And then for almost every other American household. The problem is that there's too much expenses going out. We not only have a lot of people who don't make enough, we then have that many more who spend too much. And our culture encourages that. Our group psychology encourages us to do that. Not only on sofas, mm-hmm. but on
2: everything. Every aspect of our life.
1: I actually manage my blow money. Blow money, fun money. We do whatever we <laughs> want to do with that money. I'm glad that you money.
0: clarified what... <laughs> blow money means. I'm looking over at Chris like, did we just learn something about Michael? That's how he always has so much energy. I
1: know, right? I have to actually have to manage that because there's this idea that we get to some point within our financial lives to where money is just completely discretionary. We can do whatever we want to do without consequence. And what I found is that that same behavior resonates with individuals starting in childhood.
0: You've got a few stories about your kids and how they are thinking in the present. They're really not thinking long term. Yeah. So and, and this is uh, <laughs> lots of people have this problem.
1: Sebastian the other day, uh, his two teeth came out, or actually pulled them out for him.
2: Hmm. And
1: uh, he were gets, they loose? Or? They, they were loose. Okay, good. And he gets he gets three dollars. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. Uh, he gets three dollars per tooth. So we're at church and we're doing. I don't know, right? Uh, maybe should I get five?
2: Three dollars per two. I,
1: I got a quarter. No, that's. Is serious. That like, that's what are you
2: talking expensive. about? Oh, no. Three we need to, dollars We
0: need to do two. the calculation on inflation. With the Your kids app. are going to start running into walls <laughs> intentionally to knock their teeth out.
1: <laughs> so we're at we're at church, and Sebastian really, really, really wants a donut, and we're like, well, dude, let's just wait till we get to the house so we can get something. And he was like, well, no, he was like, well, I give you all six dollars. I was like, Sebastian. You want to pay six dollars for one donut when we can go to the store and for two dollars you can buy a whole thing of donuts to have on your own? He sounds like a normal donut. human being. He, he sounds, sounds like sounds, a no- <laughs> very much so like a normal human Plus, being. Plus he
2: probably right. figures that if he eats the donut, his teeth will rot out faster and he'll get more <laughs> money.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's it's the short term thinking. It's things like I just want the donut now, give it me now. It's also this focus on on food flashing, showing. Uh, some of these brands are selling, uh, we just looked this up, $190 T-shirts. A lot of people are buying those shirts. Absolutely. To show off their wealth.
1: And what value are they getting out of that stuff? None. We are set on people being attracted to us because of the form of ourselves and not because of the substance of ourselves. The form of ourselves doesn't allow for us to have these lasting, meaningful relationships, because if people are only around us because we have the nice car, or because I'm walking around with a $150 shirt on, or I stay in this 4,000 square foot home, why would we ever expect for these people to be with us in the long run if we happen to lose those things? And we don't put a whole lot of value on the substance of our lives and actually developing those meaningful relationships.
0: Can't imagine that's a healthy relationship. Someone's with you because you spend a lot on t-shirts.
1: Yeah, well. If someone loves you for that, Mm, not a great foundation. Yeah, well, the only reason I hang out with you is because I think your scooter's cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> God. If that means anything. You're <laughs> twisted. There is something up with your, you. Your, your scooter is hot.
0: Yeah, Matt. right. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you so, look so manly yeah, riding around That's an around example of, of how thing. I am. I am on the other side of this consumption culture. <laughs> I think it's really nice to spend as little as possible on stuff, I like spending on experiences. We've talked about that on this, uh, this show before. Absolutely. Uh, so one of these things that a lot of Americans run into is they spend so much trying to maintain this This form. ideal of what I should be. Yeah. Some people might be listening and saying, well, I'm not that person. Good thing I'm not that person. I've already solved that problem. I'm yeah. managing my money perfectly. Maybe not. There might be <laughs> invisible expenses, mm-hmm. these expenses that are usually very small, so small that we round down to zero. Mm-hmm. When we just spend that $2 on coffee, over time it can add up, but we never notice it. And the same thing can be said for a lot of these automatic payments that are outside of our immediate attention. That Netflix bill, which is just 10 bucks a month maybe, absolutely, you don't feel that ever once it's being paid. But that adds up. Hundreds of dollars a year go to these
1: things. Out of sight, out of mind, there's a reason why companies are pushing and encouraging the use of automation more and more and more because they understand human behavior. And once you're set, inertia sets in and you don't really move. Another issue that many people have is that they're locked
0: in to some of their expenses, and they might feel like these expenses are discretionary, might feel like the choice is up to you, but when you buy the house, you're stuck with the house. (laughs) You gotta keep making those house payments. It's not up to you anymore. And the same thing is
1: true of cars and a lot of these other big ticket items. Absolutely. Most people don't become aware and mindful until after the fact. I've gotten a house, I didn't realize that mortgage, insurance, taxes, and everything was gonna to amount to what it is. And now I'm feeling kind of trapped in this home because I didn't do effective planning beforehand and I do it after the fact and you just kind of deal with the consequences later. What we know about how spending our
0: money affects our happiness is that the more we have the choice to spend our money on stuff we like to do, the Absolutely. happier that we are? Absolutely. Go through your budget. How much are you truly spending on those discretionary fund expenses? And if you're doing all that stuff Michael's saying, the, the house and the car and the insurance and on, and on and on and on and on, you have so little money to spend on things you actually enjoy. If you need some help cutting out some of these expenses, Stay tuned. After the break, we go into practical tips. Before we go, one last thing a quiz. What is the average American's single biggest expense? And a popular budget tip is to cut out coffee. How much would cutting out coffee save the average American every year? The answers to those when we get back. You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money on
1: WUGA. and 94.5 FM. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. Reach out. We'd love to answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And connect with us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org.
2: Support for Nothing Funny About Money comes from Elwood & Getz Financial Planning and Investments. As fee-only financial planners, they are fiduciaries to their clients That's E-L-W-O-O-D-G-O-E-T-Z dot com.
1: Oh, boy, what a night that was. Dude, I've never been kicked out of a bar before. I've never been kicked out of an Uber before. Well, at least it's nice out. I don't mind walking. Yep, not so bad. Ah, crap. Ah, crap. What's up? My wallet. I can't
0: find my wallet. Your wallet's missing? It's a case of the missing wallet.
2: The Hardy Men.
0: What could have happened to that darn wallet? We've got to retrace
1: our steps and gather some clues. Boy, howdy. We might just solve this mystery yet. Okay, focus. When's the last time you had it? I had it when I was buying that eighth drink. Think, think. Was anyone else there? Maybe they took it. Well, there were these two women chatting me up. Ah, that was definitely just one woman. Okay, right. This woman was flirting with me. The one who threw the drink in your face? Yeah, that's the one. Anyway, while I was crying... From all the vodka and cranberry juice in your eyes? Yes, yes. And I left that huge tip for the awesome bartender. The one who refused to serve you. Right, and I got angry.
0: You're a dirty commie!
1: Yes. And then I ran to the back of the bar. Right. You knocked all of those people over. Maybe you dropped your wallet then.
0: No, because I still had my wallet outside.
1: Well, what happened there? I added another $5 to the parking meter, so I definitely had it then. Ah, and all those stains on your shirt, you must have bought a hot dog. Give me one with everything. That'll be $10. I
0: did buy a hot dog, and then I dropped it. Oh, fiddlesticks! And then I bought
1: another one. That'll be $10. And I found you by the ATM outside the club. Yeah. And I was taking out more cash to pay for the cover charge. Right. And I wrestled the cash from you and said it was time to go home. It's time to go home. And that's when I called the Uber with my phone. That you took from your
0: left pants pocket. Which is exactly where I put my wallet. Golly gee, hardy man number two, you're a gosh darn genius! And a handsome one at that. (laughs) Ha ha, you clever devil. Oh, wait, where's my phone? Welcome back to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorn, and I'm here with Michael Thomas. On this episode, we're talking about cash flow. Soon up are some practical tips, but before then, let's go to those quiz
1: answers. What is the average American's single biggest expense? You know the answer to this one, Michael? I would say childcare.
0: <laughs> oh. As a man with children, you two. You have two children, you might be right. The answer on average is housing. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. One third of the average American's budget goes to housing. That's over $18,000 a year on average, according to the Bureau of
1: Labor Statistics. Wow. How much? Would cutting out coffee save the average American every year?
2: One million (laughs) dollars.
1: A little high. You were a little too much there. It depends on your
0: taste. It does depend on your taste. (laughs) If you said... $1,100. One thousand one hundred
1: dollars. You're right. That is the average. Some people, of course, much more. And if you it, said that, please reach out to us because we want to know that you got that that number on the dot. If you
0: somehow knew. If you exactly. somehow knew that, please reach out to us. If you were within a hundred dollars, we'd love you for you want... to come to the show, sit in, have a conversation. Yes, maybe you're clairvoyant and that's how you knew. <laughs> I just drink instant coffee, though. You know how much that costs me every time I drink a cup of coffee. I know coffee? it's horrible. <laughs> what?
2: It's horrible.
0: No, I love it. I'm uh, all about it now. Yeah. Freeze-dried coffee? You can, have, you can have that, dude. Pennies. It costs me pennies per cup. I'll pay the extra $2. It's but amazing. are you happy? So very happy. Every time I, I, say I drink one of those. No, I'm serious. I'm, you don't mean that. I do mean it. You don't mean that. I try the Starbucks like Frappa lattes or whatever, and they're yeah, disgusting not. They're, to they're me. They're too sweet. And I know too sweet.
1: You, you're not a su- you don't like sweets. No. So I can see that. Oh, that it's gross. Work for it's you. all just cream
0: and sugar. I don't want coffee-flavored sugar milk. I want coffee.
1: Well, I do. Freeze-dried coffee. That's that's where we differ.
0: (laughs) Okay. So to put that $1,100 into context, the average rent in Atlanta is $1,650 a month. Hmm. So when some people give budgeting advice, they say, cut down on coffee. Don't spend so much on coffee. And that will save you some money. But will it save you all that much? Well, let's do another example here. What if I am the average rent in Atlanta, and I find a place to live for fourteen hundred dollars? That saves me three thousand dollars a year. That's much more than cutting out on coffee. So, first, look for the housing. I agree, but where where are you going to live? There are plenty of places for fourteen hundred dollars a month. Are there? Go get a roommate. Don't be too proud. Don't be so proud. Is that what it is? Go get a roommate. Okay. Get three or four roommates. You could easily do better than that. What? I just have trust Live issues. Live in Lawrenceville. I have trust issues Jeez. with the Jeez. Well, you have three roommates. but You then... just <laughs> happen
1: to be
2: related to
0: them. <laughs> My point is that instead of looking for the small things like coffee to cut out, instead look for the big stuff like housing. Absolutely. You won't sacrifice so much of your quality of life, and then you still get to drink your coffee, and your budget's better
1: off by $2,000 a year absolutely. in and, this example. And to do that, you have to plan before the fact and not after the fact. Because most people don't realize, oh, I need a roommate, until after you've purchased the condo or whatever it is that you have in Atlanta for sixteen dollars or $700. And then you realize, oh, I might need some help. Exactly. So if you plan ahead of time, that could help with cash flow management.
0: Excellent advice. For the big stuff, absolutely plan ahead. And for the small stuff, maybe you actually can afford it. But if you want to cut it out, we, next up, have a guest who is going to tell us all about frugality to save you a ton of money. Danny Kofke is back with another wealthy person. We'll turn it
2: to him. This is Danny Kofke, and I'm here with this week's Wealthy Person. Every episode, we will focus on someone that lives a wealthy life. This week, we're going to focus on someone who learned how to have a positive personal cash flow, Trent Hamm personal finance author and founder of the website, TheSimpleDollar.com. Trent grew up in a working-class family in Illinois. Trent went off to college and then got married, living the American dream or what we think it is. Shortly after getting married, though, He and his wife, Sarah, started spending a lot of money. And then eventually, over time, they had over $20,000 in credit card debt, several consumer loans for furniture and things like that, huge student loans, two car loans, and you get the picture, just mountains and mountains of debt. Trent realized he was walking down a dangerous path and decided to make a change. In October of 2006, he started The Simple Dollar to share those changes as they happened. Well, since that time, he and his wife have paid off all their debt, and in fact, the blog has become so popular, he's able to live off that alone right now, was able to quit his job and just focus solely on helping others. Tracy and me, my wife, she stayed at home for eight years with our two young daughters, so we have definitely used some of his simple tips, and I think that's kind of the key in that, simple tips to help us save money. One of my favorite ones is don't spend big money entertaining your children. And I will say, you know, not making a lot as a school teacher, there are many times during the summer, the long, long months of summer, especially with the little ones, that it can be tough to entertain them. But Tracy and I, using some of Trent's tips, we found some ways to do it with the kids. We've gone to the library. We've seen magic shows, petting zoos. We've gone to state parks and just have done a lot of really fun stuff with the kids that didn't cost us that much money. There are two ways to improve your cash flow. Either have to decrease your spending or increase your income. Let's face it, increasing your income, it requires someone else. You either have to get another job, get hired by someone else, you got to quit your job, whatever. Decreasing your spending, you can do it on your own. And Trent's tips can definitely help you do that. I think what makes Trent wealthy is not only has been able to do well with money, but he also wants to give back. He started a simple dollar blog for one reason and one reason only. He writes because he knows there are people out there at a point in their life where they just want to make a change. They're tired of being in debt. They're tired of spending too much money. And his simple tips can help people so much because a lot of them, once again, are simple, easy to implement. And then once you start doing them, you start saving more money. You want to keep going and going and going. His blog has resonated really well, and right now it has over 48,000 Facebook likes, has been featured in numerous publications, including Forbes and the New York Times, and has been rated by Kiplinger's as a top 10 personal finance blog. If that's not wealth, I don't know what is. That's it for this week's segment. Here's the living wealthy.
0: Trent Ham is all about the individual budget tips. He's got a whole host of them that you can find On Simple Dollar, check those out if you are looking to be frugal. We've got some other practical tips for you of how you can save money and Mm -hmm. get the most out of your life.
1: Matt, what is your chosen method for managing your cash flow? Cutting my
0: expenses as low as possible so that I then have more money to spend on whatever impulse happens to uh, come across my mind. Right. Flight of fancy, Okay. baseline spend no money, Okay. and then flights of
1: fancy. That's okay. that's my budgeting technique. And do you do a lot of automation, or do you actually sit down and create a spending plan or budget?
0: Uh, so I do a lot of automation, and you're bringing up spending plan and budget. And we, we can talk about the difference between the two, because yeah. I've realized, based on our conversations, I don't budget, and I'm kind of notorious for going out and claiming I don't budget. Yes, you are. But I do...
1: But you have a plan, a spending I do have a spending plan. What is the difference? Budget basically saying that you're living within confines of some sort to manage your day-to-day affairs, and you're listing out what those things are and planning for those accordingly. Spending plan, you're actually being more mindful of where you're wanting to go with regards to how you manage your money, as opposed to where you are with the managing of your money.
0: I think of it as the big picture. It's the bird's eye view, 30,000 foot Where do I want my money to go? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that I automate a lot. That's true. That money's already set aside. I got a computer program doing that all for me. I know exactly how much I can
1: spend because that's what's left in my checking account. Absolutely. Huge difference because you can't really address any major issues that come up if they've already happened. It's just, I'm glad I realized it this time. And then most people just walk away from the conversation and do nothing. And then they have the same conversation the next month.
0: Yeah. I don't budget at all. It sounds like you are not the biggest fan in the world of budgets either. Mm -mm. But don't listen to us. If it works for you, then do it. The best kind of spending plan, the best kind of budget is the one that works for you. If you want to track every single expense by hand, awesome. Go for it. Don't let anybody else tell you that that's
1: not working if it works for you. Absolutely. And another thing is to understand what motivates you. We're all motivated by different things. Some of us aren't motivated by just simply tracking our money or being mindful of our money. Some of us are motivated by possibly losing something. There's a neat website called stick.com, and that's S-T-I-C-K-K, where you actually create these contracts that you bind yourself to, and if you don't meet a said goal— then you set up something where let's say chris if you don't like some type of organization that if you don't hit your goal $100 goes to support that organization
0: yeah i think an example that came up uh, when stick was becoming popular a couple mm-hmm. years ago was to donate to the presidential campaign i wasn't even going to go there of the person that you didn't want to win
1: <laughs> i wasn't
0: going to go there yeah so that'll give you a sense of what can happen on uh, this website uh, hey, if that works for you. Uh, so other- that's
2: how he won. <laughs>
1: that yeah. is exactly
0: how he <laughs> won. Oh, damn you, stick.com. I think about things on the other side of the equation. Uh, less so with fear, but more so with rewards. Positive reinforcement often works uh, for a lot of people. So what I encourage a lot of people to do is set up rewards for yourself. One of the reasons that I like the bucket strategy and the bucket strategy where Mm -hmm. you you put money aside in a bucket, say a vacation bucket. I'm putting money in the vacation bucket. The bucket fills up and then you go on vacation. You reward yourself by having something fun. If that helps you, if you need more
1: rewards and more positive encouragement, try that. The neat thing that I recommend to clients with the setup reward systems, let's say if you want to go on a vacation somewhere, that you get a puzzle. And you kind of calculate how much you need to put away and associate that with a different puzzle piece. So whenever you do one thing, you add a piece of the puzzle. You're actually building and you're actually visualizing the completion of this thing. Because again, there's this out of sight, out of mind, life happens and you don't see it happening even though it is, which is why people dip into the cookie jar. It actually keeps you more focused and you have the visual cue as well to continue to stay on yeah, that path. That that is actually like an awesome idea. Yep. I love you that. gotta you gotta bring it all together.
0: Yeah. If you are saving up five hundred dollars to go to Cancun, yep. let's pretend, go get yourself a puzzle yep. with a picture of Cancun. Yep. And then every time you put a dollar, you add a puzzle piece. Absolutely. Towards that. That's so cool. You know how like, people do
1: vision boards? Yeah. And it just kind of stops there. Like, it's almost like it's already complete and it's not. Like, you've done no work whatsoever. You just put the vision up on a board. But this is actually showing that you're working towards and making progress and you're seeing the vision. That is very cool. Yep. This is—you never told this to me before. That's the Dude, best I,
0: idea I've ever heard you. You've
1: have. never been one of my clients. You
0: should. That's true. I should, I take should you on. just. Yeah. And actually, I, I should, should
1: be one of yours because
0: we always learn. We from should each other. swap uh, skills there. Uh, so talking about things like this puzzle makes this tangible and real. We take it out of the abstract and put it into reality. Rather than thinking about cutting expenses as taking away, think of it as adding things like those vacations, a fun activity, or adding to investments, which are then going to grow and grow and grow and make you rich. Absolutely. You're not cutting, cutting, cutting. You're adding, adding, adding just to things that you care about and that are going to make your
1: life better off. If you're having trouble with any of this, reach out. Visit nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org and send us a message. Just look on the right side of the page. We're happy to help over email, phone, or in person. And if you help out an organization, we've given talks literally
0: coast to coast and want to hear from you too. Is that it? I think so. Thanks again, as always, to our executive producer, Chris Shoup, our audio engineer, Garrett Burke, and wealthy person, Danny Kofke. And thank you for listening. Until next
1: time, peace.
0: You've been listening to Nothing Funny About Money.
1: This show is recorded in the studios of WUGA Athens on the University of Georgia campus. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. Reach out. We'd love to answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and connect with us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org.